Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Um, hey, welcome online. Thank you guys always for tuning in and uh, being a part of our service, both, uh, as we say, near and far. But if you are near, hey, come and join us uh, in person. We'd love to see you. And th- but thank you. Thank you for tuning in and uh, staying engaged. Now, what Scott didn't tell you, this is the interesting thing about the River Dogs game, is that I'll be throwing out the first pitch. So... <laughs> So come early because you will not want to miss that embarrassment. So um, it'll be quite interesting. Um, So I got a couple of, um, I don't know, just kind of silly questions for you this morning. Um, How many of you will admit uh, that you sometimes forget how old you are? Anybody here? Okay, surely I'm not the only one, right? Okay. Um, every so often, like, so this is, I guess, a confession here. I literally have to do, like, a little math equation in my head sometimes. I go, okay, my birth date and the current date, you know, just to remind myself um, how old I am. I just, I just don't think about it very often. Okay, so maybe I am the only one that's that stupid, I guess. Anyway, now, okay, but I got a second question for it. And I, don't, I know some of you will fall into this category. Anybody here willing to admit that, let's see, that even if your life depended on it, you might not be able to list the birth dates and the ages of your children and your spouse right now in your outline. Okay, anybody willing to admit that, not with your spouse in here, you're not willing to admit that. Like you just kind of forget, you know, their birth dates um, or the, how old they are. I, I don't know. I guess I'm the only one that struggles with math. I don't know. Um, now, here's, here's where I'm going with that. I think in, in, a, in a similar way or a strange way, um, there are a lot of believers, a lot of Christians, who actually have a lack of confidence concerning their their spiritual birth. Okay, not their, you know, physical birth like me, but but their spiritual birth, their salvation, right? You know, they're often plagued with this this nagging doubt, this this lingering fear. Well, you know, I, I think I'm saved, you know. I think I'm a believer. This kind of came up in our uh, men's group this past week, and, and a Christian in the group said, yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure I have the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we just have this, you know, this lingering fear. And then we start asking ourselves, so like, you know, how can I know that I'm truly saved? And, you know, can I really be certain of that? And you might fit maybe into that category. Well, uh, the good news is we can know if we're saved. We can know that we're, you know, truly a believer, uh, that, that we are going to heaven. Uh, the Bible actually affirms that you can know uh, that you're saved, that, that you are secure in your salvation. And, and it teaches us that we can know that we are a part of God's family. Now, in fact, that is like the predominant emphasis uh, of the eighth chapter of Romans, which is where we find ourselves uh, right now. So the key verse uh, in the eighth chapter of Romans is chapter uh, uh, verse one. Remember we talked about that? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We talked about that. And that sets the tone, though, for the rest of the chapter, that, that as believers, we will never have to pay the penalty for our sin. Why? It's already been paid for, right, by Jesus. So we are under this, this no-condemnation status. Now, in chapter 8, Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit, that he secures 
that status for us, that we have the Holy Spirit. He secures it. Now, chapter 8 then is really all about our security in Christ and now this new life that you can experience in the Spirit, life in the Holy Spirit. And so that's what I want us to talk about today, our security in Christ through this new life in the Spirit of God. So if you're taking notes with us, first of all, number one, Paul explains that now as a believer, you are empowered, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Look at Romans chapter eight, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you, live, if, if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, underline that phrase for me, okay? Through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. In other words, if you're gonna know victory over the flesh, okay, the works of the flesh, it is only going to be through now the power of the Spirit. Now, the reason for that is quite simple. Flesh can't overcome flesh. You know, sin can't overcome sin. Sin can't gain victory over sin. We need a transformation, right? We need a a transformation from the inside out. You see, when you became a Christian, When you said yes to Jesus and put your faith and trust in him, the Holy Spirit then came and took up residence in your life. And with the Spirit of God, you ready for this? This is exciting. Comes the the power of God. In other words, we now have a resource within our life that enables us, empowers us to walk in victory over Satan, in victory over the flesh, to bring about, to bring everything in our life under the obedience of Christ. You see, the question is not, do you have the Holy Spirit? The question is, does the Holy Spirit have you? Okay? Look at Ephesians 5, 18. Listen to this. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, I know a lot of churches or pastors maybe emphasize the first part of that verse and, you know, go off talking about drunkenness. Really, that's not the emphasis uh, of the context here. It's really about, okay, sure, you know, don't be drunk with wine. Really, that's, a, that's an issue of control. Instead, be filled, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? What does that mean to be filled with the Spirit? So to be filled with the Spirit means to have every little bit of your life, you know, every crack and crevice to be permeated with the Holy Spirit. In other words, you now begin to think his thoughts. You you begin to obey his promptings. Again, to be filled with the Spirit of God is to be controlled by the Spirit of God. So what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians 5.18, you know, He's not talking about, you know, falling into some sort of trance. Because I think sometimes we talk about being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. We think about some sort of mystical, you know, hyper-spiritual experience. That's not what he's saying here. It means that, that you get under the control of the Holy Spirit, that he fills your life, and that he controls your life. Look back at Romans 8, 12. Paul said, you have no obligation to do what your, your sinful nature urges you to do. He's saying now as a believer, you are, you are under no obligation now 
you know, to follow the urgings of your flesh. You, you owe the flesh nothing. Why? Because remember, you're no longer in the flesh. You live by the Spirit. And so Paul is making the point that, okay, so if you're no longer in the flesh, why in the world should you continue to live according to the flesh? If, if that's no longer who we are, then we shouldn't live like it is. You know, who are you? Whose are you? And start living that way. I mean, we think it was crazy, wouldn't we, if, um, you know, if somebody told us, well, you know, I'm not a murderer, I just like to act like I am one. Okay, that'd be weird, right? Or, you know, I'm not a lecherous, lying cheat at work, I just like to make everybody think I am. I mean, we think those people would be crazy. Who in their right mind would want to act like something they're not? And that's essentially what Paul is saying here. Since you're no longer in the flesh, since you're no longer outside of Christ, then don't act like you are anymore. You know, don't, don't act like you're living in the flesh. You're no longer in the flesh. You're, no, you're under no obligation anymore to live like it. And Paul tells us why in the first part of verse 13. He says, for if you live by its dictates, the flesh, you will die. Now again, he's not describing a Christian here. He's talking about people who who are not a part of the Spirit yet, who've not given their life to Christ. Neither is he threatening a Christian here with, okay, you know, if you don't get your act together, you're going to die and you're going to lose your salvation. That's not what he's talking about. Because if that's true, then verse one, remember, there is therefore, you know, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That no condemnation goes right out the window. He's simply reiterating the truth that those who are in the flesh are spiritually dead. He's describing the life of a non-Christian. And, he, and he's making the point that, you know, we don't want to live like they do because, hey, we're no longer those people anymore. You know, we're no longer in that category If you are a believer, you are in the Spirit, and the Spirit of God is in you. People who are still in the flesh, he says, are dead. They will die, and they're spiritually dead. People who are in the Spirit are alive. And that's what he means in the latter part of verse 13 where he says, but if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Now, what are the, you know, the, the deeds of the, the sinful nature here that he talks about, the deeds of the flesh? Well, in Colossians 3, 5, and 10, Paul describes that. Listen to this. He says, put to death. Now, there's that phrase again. Put to death. You might circle that. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life that you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. So, 
What does it mean to put to death the deeds of the sinful nature? It means you're to kill it. You're to kill it by the, by the power of the Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is to be crucified. In fact, that's exactly what happened to your sinful nature when you came to Christ. It was crucified with Jesus. Now again, remember, even though we are now in the Spirit, we still live in the flesh. So we need to, it's, it's really a process. Remember we talked about that process last week of becoming and so it is a process of putting to death these things in our life because we still live, you know, we still you know, have this earthly vessel that we carry around. There's still a struggle, but we are in Christ now. Ultimately, we have the victory, and these things have been crucified. So we've got to develop this ruthless attitude towards sin. So we are empowered by the Spirit. Number two, we are also led by the Spirit. Look at verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Isn't that cool? We are the offspring of God. He's our Father. We're now His children. And one of the assurances we have that we've been adopted into His family is that, again, we are being led by, we're being directed by His Spirit. Now, more than likely, though, the question that immediately pops up into your mind is, okay, Pastor Chris, well, how does that happen? What does that look like? How does the Spirit do that? You know, how, do we, how are we led by the Spirit? Well, and, and there's many things that I could talk about this morning, but I want to mention one. One of the primary ways that he leads us is through something called illumination. Write that down, illumination. Now, what do I mean by that? Again, I'm not talking about something weird or mystical or hyper-spiritual. Look, you know, throughout the, Holy, throughout the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is typically referred to as the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth. In John 13, uh, 16, 13, Jesus said, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all what? Truth. In other words, the leading of the Spirit of God is primarily through the illumination of the Word of God. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, the first thing that he does is that he makes the Bible, God's word, living to you, alive to you. We, we see it and now we know it as truth. And the Holy Spirit begins to open up its words to our understanding. Now, those of you who have been believers for a while and you, 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 you're into the Word of God regularly, you meditate on the Word of God, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. You know, you're, you're moving along, maybe you're reading, you know, like your daily devotion, your daily reading, and, and you come to a passage that you have like read like countless times, maybe hundreds and hundreds of times before, but all of a sudden, it's like a verse just seems to leap off the page at you, and, and, and like you just seem to get it all of a sudden. And, and maybe you, you just see something that you've never seen before, and it's like it's brand new to you. It's like you're reading this passage for the very first time, and all of a sudden you understand its meaning in terms of where you're at in your life right now. Now, what happened there? You know, what happened in that verse of Scripture? The Holy Spirit happened. You're being led by the Spirit of God. 
He was doing his work of opening the truth to your mind and heart. To me, to me as a pastor, that's like one of the most exciting aspects of, of our ministry. You know, to see the word of God begin to connect and to come alive in somebody's life. Like, that's exciting. Let me show you a scripture that kind of explains this experience. Look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. That's like when you're trying to explain something to somebody about the Word of God or from the Word of God. For a lot of them, they consider it what? Foolishness. In other words, the person without the Spirit can't understand the Scripture like you can. They can't grasp the revelation of God. Why? Because it has to be spiritually discerned and explained. But verse 15, look at this. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. Because verse 16 tells us that you now literally have the mind of Christ. How does that happen? Through the Holy Spirit. Do you see what Paul is saying? The Spirit of God illuminates the revelation of God. There's, a, um, there's an interesting verse at the end of the Gospel of Luke when uh, Jesus is with two of his disciples. Luke 24, 45. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the Scriptures. Again, that's obviously a reference to Jesus, but it's also the Spirit in Jesus that caused the Scriptures to come alive to their understanding. Listen, let me tell you something. The Lord knows you. And he knows exactly where you are at in your spiritual journey. He knows where you are hurting. He knows, the, he knows the burdens that you feel. He knows what you're going through. He knows exactly your weaknesses. And so he knows exactly how to speak the word of God to you in ways that you need to hear for direction today. Listen, it doesn't matter whether you're in the Old Testament or the New Testament. The Holy Spirit can and will take the word of God and illuminate it, make it alive to you, and he'll apply it to your life. You see, he's not just interested in you, you know, filling in blanks on a, on a sheet or, you know, filling your notebook with spiritual principles. He's interested in filling your life with himself. You know, so if, if you ever find yourself questioning the realities of your salvation, you know, your spiritual birth, maybe you need to ask yourselves questions like these, you know, hey, am I being led by the Spirit of God? Am I, you know, have I ever begun to understand the Word of God in ways that I didn't before? Is He opening its truths to me? You know, am I growing in the Word? Is the Spirit beginning to make it clearer to me? Does the word of God ever touch my heart with conviction? Is the Bible becoming a living book to me? If so, it's because you're being led by the spirit of God. Therefore, you are a child of God. Hey, but let me just share one thing. The Holy Spirit cannot illuminate the word of God to you unless you begin to get into the word of God. 
You know, that's why here at Coastal, we're just constantly encouraging you to read, to study, you know, to have devotions, to have quiet times. Number three, we're also liberated by the Spirit, set free by the Spirit, liberated. Look at verse 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he, oh, this is so awesome, he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Everybody say that with me, Abba, Father. So you got to say it loud. Come on, here we go. Abba, Father. The, the, the adoption that Paul mentions here in this verse, he's not so much just talking about the, you know, the physical transaction of adoption as he is our sense of actually belonging now to God as one of his children. He is the spirit in us who makes us feel and know and understand that we belong to God, which makes us, gives us this ability to rush into his presence saying, Abba, Father. The word Abba there in Aramaic is the word for Papa or Daddy. Daddy. Now, you ever think about God that way? Daddy. It's this word of, of trust. Uh, in Aramaic, in, in, the, in, the, in the first century, it was a word of intimacy, uh, of tenderness. Children would call their fathers Abba, Daddy. It's a word of intense love. Now, I know I know that can be very tough for some people, especially those of you maybe who grew up in a church that was very uh, strict or, or rigid or you kind of looked at God you know, in this environment, it's very demanding. I mean, now all of a sudden to think of God as this intimate daddy who absolutely delights in you is like the furthest thing from your mind. But, that, but it's true. You know, if you were to adopt and bring a child into your home that maybe has been in and out of the system and you know really, I mean, terrible foster homes or maybe not so great orphanage uh, orphanages, and, and, and some of those kids, you know, now come into your home and, and and they've been so wounded that they are thinking to themselves, "Hey, you know, I can't let my defenses down, right?" You know, I've been here before. If I mess up one time, I know I'm out. I, I know the drill. I'm not going to put my heart out there to have some adult, like, step on it. And all of a sudden, you put that child into this healthy, loving home, and they have a hard time with it. You know, believing that, accepting it, because, you know, maybe their first thought is, hey, what's the catch? Well, listen, the same thing happens spiritually. And I think that's why for some, you know, for like years they struggle with this freedom in Christ and this, this intimacy that they can have with the Father and this, this idea of a personal relationship because they've had like years of indoctrination. It can be hard for us, you know, to, to, to take us from the, our old patterns and our old thoughts and our old wounds and place us into this new reality where we really believe, despite our circumstances, that our heavenly Father is a daddy who delights in you and wants the very best for you. And he's chosen you because he absolutely loves you. But that's what Paul is saying here in verse 15. That our God has put the spirit of adoption in your heart so that you can be assured of this. Again, it isn't simply that you've gone through some, you know, impersonal, transactional, you know, adoptive process. That's not the idea here. The idea is that God has placed his own spirit in you 
so that you can be absolutely sure that you are his son, you are his daughter, forever loved. And that leads us right into number four. We are assured by the Spirit, assured. Look at verse 16. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So he's describing like, just think of it like the deepest level of assurance. You know, beyond emotions, beyond feelings, this is this deep internal conviction that is born of the Spirit of God himself, bearing witness in our spirit that we're his children. And in verse 15, we we respond with this cry of, of Abba, Father, again, which is our love to him, but here in verse 16, it's almost like this is his love to us. I think that's what Paul was referring to back in uh, Romans 5, verse 5. Remember when we were there where he wrote that, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You know, according to, um, to Roman law, the system of adoption required seven witnesses Seven witnesses to, to finalize an adoption. Now, the reason for that uh, in, in the first century was that if the father died, there would be a way of verifying his adoptive heir. You know, especially if, there, if this child was in line to inherit the father's, you know, estate. And uh, if there was any dispute at all, there would be these seven witnesses that could be called upon to say, hey, no, 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 we were there. I was there. The adoption was legal. This child is the heir. And so what Paul is saying is so it is with the Holy Spirit. We say, oh, this is great. I belong to God. I'm his child. But then sometimes Satan comes along, and he whispers in your ear and goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, come on. Don't kid yourself. You know, you? You don't have any right to God's inheritance. I've seen how you behave, how you act, the way you talk. You've blown it so many times in so many ways. There's no way you're his child. You see, and then we begin to doubt ourselves. I really have blown it. I mean, you'd think I'd be farther along in my in my Christian life by now. You know, maybe, maybe I am just fooling myself. Maybe, maybe I'm not really his son, his daughter. But then the Holy Spirit of God kind of speaks up and says, hold it. Hey, listen, I was there. I was there. You are God's child. I am the witness. How do we know that there's, there's no condemnation awaiting us? How do we know that we're under this no condemnation status? Because Jesus purchased it. And the Holy Spirit of God himself secures it. How, do we, how does he do that? He affirms it to be true in our hearts. We are empowered by the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. We are liberated by the Spirit. And again, he assures us. You say, yeah, I, 
I think I get all that, Pastor Chris, but how can I know? How can I be certain that he's in my life leading me, liberating me, assuring me? How can I really walk in and enjoy you know, this assurance of the Holy Spirit? Well, let me leave you with probably one of the most definitive passages in the entire New Testament on this topic. And we've talked about this before. Uh, Galatians chapter five, verses 22 through 25. This is talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Listen to this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, listen to this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Don't you see? The assurance of our salvation comes from the fruit that's being produced in our life as we begin to walk in the Spirit. You see, the reality is there is no condemnation for us since we're in Christ Jesus. But we're never going to enjoy that no condemnation status unless we're responding in obedience to the internal work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And when you do that, the fruit that will be produced is love, joy, peace, patience, all these things. It doesn't happen immediately. Sometimes it's just so incremental, but that's okay. You're in the Spirit. Now, if you are a believer today, I want you to repeat this with me with great enthusiasm, okay? Here we go. Let's say it out loud together. It's there on your outline. I think they're gonna put it on the screen. Here we go. I am a child of God and the Holy Spirit lives within me. Let's say it again. I am a child of God and the Holy Spirit lives within me. Now live like it. Live like it. And today, listen, our loving heavenly daddy, he's waiting for some of his children to come home. And you can come home to him today. It's just a step, one step of faith. It's not this long road home like you imagine, this hard road. It's one step of faith. And if you will turn and take one step of faith, our God will run to you. The, lev- the loving daddy will run to you, make up all the distance, and welcome you with open arms. You can come home to him today. It's through faith in his son Jesus. And you will be forever adopted into his family. Secure in your salvation with the gift of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Bow your heads and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word today that you do illuminate, that you make alive in our hearts today. Father, thank you for those who are here today who are believers walking in the truth of your word and in the truth and in the life of the Holy Spirit. May we give more and more of ourselves over daily to his control. And if you are here today and you are ready to come home, you are ready to be adopted into God's family, 
It only happens one way, through faith in Christ. Pour your heart out to him today. Ask him for forgiveness. Ask him into your life to forgive you of your sins, to be your savior, to be your Lord. He will welcome you with open arms. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen, amen.